Thank you, FCCF, for news of the benevolent. Joining us now is a special guest, Deb Greenwood from the Center for Family Justice. I have produced and performed at many of the galas and events to help Center for Family Justice raise funds over the past 12 years. And Deb Greenwood and I have become good friends. I've worked probably over the last 20 years with two dozen local nonprofits with with Band Central. And I can tell you that Deb and her team at the Center for Family Justice are super capable people and at the top of the pack when it comes to getting things done. Prior to joining Center for Family Justice 14 years ago, Deb was the CEO at various YMCAs in the region. So she has extensive experience in really in all aspects of running a business and developing programs to serve the community, which is, you know, what YMCAs do. But, you know, today, Paula, is not just another interview. You know, domestic and sexual violence has increased during the pandemic. And we want to discuss what Center for Family Justice is doing right here in our community to help families in dire need. Um, Deb, welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, Always it's great to see you, Rob. Pleasure, pleasure. So I know I just read a little bit about you, but, you know, tell tell us just a little bit more about yourself in terms of... You know, in um, particular, one of the things that I think is always very interesting to learn from our nonprofit leaders is how they became inspired and how you be, get, gained this passion for what you do. So thank you for asking. That's a, a great question that um, I live with every single day. Um, I had the honor and humbling experience to be able to lead the Center for Family Justice. And after a, a wonderful career with the YMCA of the USA and local uh, YMCAs in Connecticut, the one thing that I learned a lot about was uh, helping support youth and families. And, you know, you what, you, what families? A, a lot of youth and a lot of families okay. in, in um, lower Fairfield County, as well as across the state. And I also worked for the National YMCA of the USA, helping support uh, those that had uh, children with disabilities or they themselves, adults that had disabilities. And you'd listen to stories. And the one thing that inspired me was listening to someone who did not know where to go for help that was experiencing abuse, or they didn't even realize that they were a victim of abuse. And um, in 2007, the opportunity uh, became available to uh, look for the next chapter in in my career. Uh, I wasn't done. I wasn't ready to retire. And um, was your, was your husband ready to retire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have been. And he thought, no, well, you know, you should follow your passion. And I talk about the stories that kids and the families would have, whether it was a swim team or before and after school, summer camp, and the list goes on. And listening to individuals talk about what might be happening uh, in, in behind the closed door uh, really got me interested. And I used to work very closely with the organization I now lead when we would, uh, as mandated reporters, find a child that would disclose that uh, they were being either sexually assaulted or physically, emotionally abused or their or their parent uh, was being abused. And they were a great resource for us at the YMCA. 
So I got trained in anything hmm. that they had to offer. And lo and behold, um, in 2007, when I interviewed uh, for this position, I remember being asked the question, well, are you a social worker? And I said, no, but I know how to lead a team and I understand nonprofit management, but I know how to mobilize a community. And this is an issue that is is very important to especially kids and a, anyone being a victim of abuse and how to move forward in their life and become a survivor. You know, one thing I find fascinating about the Center for Family Justice is it's not just another women's center because of the way that you're connected with the legal system, um, the police. Could you explain a little bit about, because that, that is a pretty revolutionary how integrated um, Center for Family Justice is. Sure. Um, so, you know, I came from the world of the national why, and we always ask the question, what is best practice on running this program, that program? And it was part of the culture that I came from and a lot of the leadership skills that I learned and had the opportunity to bring to the center. So I asked that question and couldn't get a straight answer from anyone because there wasn't one. So we did a very thorough peel back the onion with the Harvard Business School and community partners who came in and did a pro bono evaluation to help answer the question. Um, they helped us identify what a family justice center was in San Diego, California that started in 2002. So we went out, we took a look, we collected as much information as we could, and uh, the journey began uh, for us here in Bridgeport, Connecticut, to see if we could transform our agency into what best practices is under one roof, bringing every resource that a victim of abuse uh, needed. And the question came to lots of focus groups saying, um, I know what we do well for you. What is it we're not doing? What else can we do for you? So part of a family justice center is to bring law enforcement, legal support, support for children, uh, and so forth and so on, and, and go uh, well beyond the crisis of the 24-7 hotline and getting someone into a domestic violence safe house. But what happens after that? And that was the piece that we understood and learned that um, a victim of abuse will go through the cycle of abuse seven to 10 times. We want to give them everything they need when they come through that door immediately and really bring that resource that's free and confidential. And it's different for many, but it's also the same for most. So um, it took us a couple of years to uh, transform our building, raise enough uh, proceeds to make sure we could do that, and then to measure our success and our impact to make sure a victim became a survivor. And we followed the model that started in 2002 and brought it to Connecticut and been supporting other parts of our state to do the same thing. Well, that's great. Um, we're listening to Deb Greenwood, the CEO of the Center for Family Justice here in Bridgeport. And you are listening to Band Central Radio and WPKN. You know, one of the things that I've become aware of, partly because my daughter Sarah has undertaken it is how good the training is that you provide to people. Um, this could even be something that people who are listening might be interested in. Um, there's a training program that you offer in how to become a crisis navigator, how to support people. Could you talk a little bit about that? I'd be happy to. And because it's a little bit toward, you know, how can people get involved? How can people help the center? How can people be involved in this movement? And 
and and thank you for bringing that up, Rob. And um, the crisis navigators are the individuals that have taken a 40 hour certification and um, it it is approved by the state of Connecticut. Um, What that does is it teaches the individual how to work and be trauma informed with a victim when they call the hotline or they come through the doors what are those resources what does the intake mean um, when Jane Doe or John Smith comes through the door and they need support how to react with them how to get them the support they need right right off the bat the hardest thing for a victim to do is come through the doors or pick the phone up and and ask for help so it's 40 hours of uh, learning about how to work with the legal system, how to work with the judicial system in our courts, how to work with law enforcement. Uh, we have the best of the best that provide those hours of certification uh, here in the, in the state of Connecticut uh, under the direction of our uh, community education task force team. And I'm very happy to say they've been with, they were there when I got there and they are still there uh, learning about new trends and things that are happening. Happening. What are the issues that are happening right in our own backyards uh, as we talk about trafficking and sex yeah. trafficking? Yeah, believe- sounds, it sounds like this is an opportunity for you to help people, but for people also to gain some experience and to help themselves. What are the things that you're looking for most? The number one uh, issue would be for someone that um, is uh, looking to volunteer at the center. Uh, if they if if they wanted to become a crisis navigator and take the certification to work with a client, you must take the 40-hour certification. But having volunteers help us do the work we do is critical in almost any nonprofit, not just at the center. But working with victims of abuse, you need a special skill. And they have to come in and understand one thing. You always believe the victim when they call or come in because we're victim advocates. Mm-hmm. So that's the first issue. The second one is that they are feeling uh, passionate about this work. And that's the second piece. And the third is that they're willing to give of themselves in time, but also to be critical to us and say, here's what else I think I can recommend, that we have thick skin. We want to know how to do a better job. So those are the three key things when someone would like to get involved at the Center for Family. And, and, and I believe you offer this training twice a year? We've now expanded it to three, and we're looking at doing it four times a year. It's over. Uh, it's actually done virtually now. We learned that through COVID, that uh, people from all over don't have to come in person. They can do it as long as they have a laptop. They can take the 40 hours um, uh on their own laptop uh, and and I would say it's uh, three times a week plus a Saturday uh, you repeat that for two weeks uh, and you complete the 40 hours to keep up the certification it's eight hours a year all right so that that's a little something that you know people can think about um, a training that might be an investment in yourself and connect you with a real sense of purpose. And the fact so, that you can do it online now, that's a great thing. You don't have to come in, right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. So where are we now in our community with domestic violence? <laughs> Meaning, you know, we've come through this pandemic. Hopefully we're moving from pandemic to endemic, moving on. Where are we now with that? 
So as we've all learned so much over the last two years uh, of the pandemic, um, it got co- very quiet. Uh, we never stopped uh, with our hotlines. It never closed. Our safe house staff continued to keep working throughout. Um, we were in overflow by uh, April of 2020. And what do I mean by that? Um, the hotlines were telling us we had people that needed to stop sheltering with the abusive uh, partner that they were with. And, you know, it. people always assume that it's just a husband and wife. It could be just two individuals. Um, it could be a mother, daughter, a father, son. It, it could be um, any two individuals uh, calling it intimate partner violence where the abuse continued and there was no place to go because people were working from home. School was being done online. So there was no help that an individual could see. And it as, must have actually made it worse. It did. It made it much worse, much more volatile. Um, as we were able to start to move people out of their home into a safe place, we realized our safe houses were at capacity. We couldn't move people out and we had to put them in hotels and we can't staff those. But what we could do is consistently stay in touch with them. So there has been a 25 percent spike because of covid in the greater Bridgeport area uh, across the country, a 40 percent spike. But now we're starting to see those numbers um, kind of level off. But here's what we're dealing with, uh, mental health issues because of the two-year closed down and shut down, uh, substance abuse issues, and working with all of our nonprofit uh resources that are here are critically important, not just to the adult individual, but also the secondary victims, which are the children that were living in these homes. So I know you had a great program with camps in the summer. Are you going to be able to bring those back on now? Yes. So we were lucky enough this past summer to not have the same amount of kids, which was about 70 children, uh, go up to Camp High Rock, part of um, our collaboration with the YMCA. But um, we'll now be able to bring those numbers back this summer. Over two weeks, we'll have 70 plus children. Currently, we have a year-long program that's dealing with 170 kids. It's called Pathways to Hope for the kids I just described that have gone through abuse, sexual violence, mental and uh, physical abuse. So they have weekly support group at the center. And Steve, there's another area where we could potentially do something interesting where we could we could have campers from Camp Hope who are interested in the arts and broadcasting come here to the WPKN studio and we could do a workshop in broadcasting, voiceover work, being a DJ. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, similar to what we've been talking yeah. about with the Bridgeport Public Schools, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned Camp High Rock. Yes. Yeah, that's... Yes. Uh, if TJ is listening, I think uh, he would be very happy and have a smile on his face. It's a beautiful place. It's a little part of heaven. And um, and kids would absolutely love to be able to get involved uh, with, with uh, media and radio. So I know one of the... And by the way, we're listening to Deb Greenwood, the CEO of the Center for Family Justice right here in Bridgeport. Um, <clears throat> tell us about the Empower House, the, the new safe house that the Center for Family Justice is building out. So thank you, Rob. And um, we, uh, you know, it goes back to what, what are we not doing right or what's the issue and how do we make it better for victims of abuse? And my staff came to me about three and a half, almost four years ago. And just when we had cut the ribbon and I thought, well, we're a family justice center and we did it and we got Camp Hope and we did it. And they said our safe house was great 22 years ago. The rooms are too small. It's not conducive to what we need. 
And I took a deep breath and I thought, okay, (laughs) let's attack this um, issue and let's figure out how to do it. Put together a task force of great individuals. Uh, And Rob, you were uh, gracious enough to to join our uh, small and very mighty group to look at where are we going and how do we do this? So as I was mentioning, um, our safe house was, was at full capacity for two years and had people in hotels. We can't and could not continue to do that. It was not safe. So we started looking at how we were going to uh, find a bigger uh, place, um, something that would have under one roof uh, where victims of abuse could get counseling, find out about housing, have computer learning labs where children would have a safe outdoor space and indoor space. So after uh, about two and a half years, our small and mighty group started to raise dollars. Um, we found the right location. I can't disclose the address, but I can say it's in the greater Bridgeport area. Um, it was nonstop. It still is uh, that we continue to look at raising $3.5 million, uh, not just all for the house, but also an endowment to make sure that this beautiful new structure that we are going to begin transforming becomes that empowerhouse for victims of abuse and their children to live in, to get the support they need without having to be transported to a different place where they have to learn about housing and finding jobs and so forth, that we're bringing the resources to this house. So under one roof, when it opens uh, late this fall of 2022, we will be celebrating in Powerhouse. And uh, uh, I want to thank Patty and Alan Masaryk for their leadership, Rob Freed, um, who's here um, with me, as well as uh, Kathy Mayolo, uh, the chairman of the board of directors and uh, the staff team and everyone that is given from $5 to many other $5 to get us to $2.8 million where we are today. How can give us the website handle clearly and slowly so that people can learn about Center for Family Justice, the op- different opportunities to get involved, as well as the Empower House. So uh, if someone would like to get involved with the Center for Family Justice, we have tons of events and opportunities uh, well beyond the 40 hours of certification. And you would go to www.centerforfamilyjustice.org. And the Empower House tagline is empowerhouseproject.org. Thank you very much, Deb Greenwood.